What happens when you put a career-focused woman with two kids trying to balance home and work life in a room with a microphone? Lots of laughter, tears, and great advice. Welcome to Two Kids and a Career. Joining me this week, I don't know how we're going to be serious in this conversation, Paul Cook. (laughs) I don't either. I do not either. (laughs) No, we have to have a serious conversation. We will. Okay, all right. No. Yes. 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 (laughs) Okay, Paul and I work together in this crazy world of radio, and we have... Man, I don't want to get emotional already. We've we've gone through some stuff. <gasps> wow, sister, um, you are right. We've gone through some stuff between each other, and we've gone through some stuff personally. And that's what I wanted you to come on because you have had so many different struggles. You were an alcoholic. You wrote a book about it. <laughs> How long have you been sober? Uh, without, uh, alcohol, 16 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a drink since then. So, so much part of the culture. It's, it's, it's tough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you have been battling cancer Yes. and that continues, but you've also been able to, in all of this, be an inspiration and a motivational speaker and, uplift others and then the other thing is you're a father and you're a husband and so there's a lot of things going on but I want to start with growth because I think people don't realize they have the opportunity to grow Ooh, great point and um it happened with you and me I'm, I'm being honest and real we had some bad times in the beginning of our friendship <laughs> and did. career. Yes. And I don't really know what that stemmed from. I'm not 100% sure I know. Yeah, I think maybe just it, it, gr- growing up a little bit too, you and me, and expectations, like expecting to be treated a certain way, you know, me or, you know, the boss. I, I think it's just a lot of new stuff maybe and anxiety. And I, I also remember really... Uh, loving you you know i mean like really connecting with you in the beginning but then work stuff gets in the way other people you know it's funny i was listening to the uh the uh queer eye the new show yeah and one of the guys we had the exact same thing Kwame had the exact same thing with uh the other one of the other guys guy that does the cooking and they didn't really know why but it was between other people getting involved i know we had that Mm -hmm. and just maybe a little lack of let's sit down and hash it out. Right. You know? And then it ended up, I don't even know, but a, a page was turned and I'm so happy where we are right now. And I know that a lot of that was me. A lot of it was following rules and listening to other people. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that I'm working a lot on myself right now is just Everything is not black and white. And I've said this Hmm. in um, some previous episodes. I'm starting to see gray. There's so much more gray in this world than black and white. And that's something you and I've talked about, too. I mean, then when you take into consideration stuff like you battling alcoholism and you battling cancer, (sighs) you have to go, okay, this is ridiculous. Is this does this matter? Does this little thing that I'm getting mad about? matter. Right. It's so true. And 
you have to start thinking everything's connected. It is a little beef or a little uh, slight here and there worth polluting yourself, mm-hmm. knowing that the thing that makes you drink, uh, makes alcoholics drink, is not just the taste. It's it's how they're feeling and a way to blot it out. So if I'm polluting myself with silly ego issues, resentments, then I'm not helping myself. So you're right. You've got to choose to overcome. And that's what you've done, too. You know, you choose to overcome and not pollute your body with black and white. And I just wanted to bring this little dynamic up first, just because I know there are other people struggling with this. I really appreciate it. And I read just last night this book I told you about from my friend. Her name's Judy Holler, and the book is Fear is My Homeboy. And just last night, I read this part about jealousy. And there was this study done Something along the lines, I wish I would have brought the book in, but the jealousy uh, promotes physical pain. Hmm. There's something in the levels of jealousy that promotes that and, and just how bad jealousy the is. Cortisol and yeah. it whips it all up in your body. And all these different things. And, and that's why I wanted to bring it up is it's not necessarily a jealousy thing, but it, when you have beef and you that have unrest, negative, yeah. yes, you, ease you can change it. Yes. You oh, totally can point. change. And, and, you know, you can change it with communication, like better communication. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, way back then. I think it was miscommunication between others. And, oh, my God, Jill, I'm so glad we're past that. Me too. It's. But I'm one also of my, so glad we went through it. Yeah. It's you know, one of my happier moments about yeah. this place is where we've been. Okay, mm-hmm. And so, you've been so important to me and so huge to me in the last five years. I mean, you ditto. really have. And uh, I, I thank you for that. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you. Thank you. And thank <laughs> uh, you much. I don't want to discount the alcoholism because that is a huge part of your life. Yeah. And it's what helped you write a book, <sighs> which, by the way, you want to talk about your book real fast? Um, yes, my book is called Cooked in L.A., and it is about three years of my life trying to make it, well, trying to continue a radio career and go to Hollywood and be a star, you know, through it, uh, managing a horrible uh, alcoholic uh, substance abuse problem, trying to manage anxieties that way, not knowing it, and the book is just a crazy trip through that. It's I, I always say it's like, it's like Hellboy. Forrest Gump. Like, Forrest Gump always had these fun experiences. <laughs> this is like Forrest Gump experiences, Sean Penn, Nicole Kidman, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer, and the bad side of those things, you know? <laughs> if uh, if uh, Forrest Gump were to just turn it crappy, you know? So it was. it's a 10-year anniversary this year. It came out in 2009. Really? I read it, yeah. but I think I should read it again. Yeah, right, in a different state of mind. Right. And I know that was probably part of things, too. Like, holy crap, who is this guy? And I'm reading about, because, I mean, honestly, I... I wrote it because uh, uh, at the time people were writing books and Oprah was doing a big deal about a guy, James Fry, who wrote a book, but it wasn't true. It, it was a memoir that was supposed to be true uh, about all this pain and things he endured. And oh, everybody I remember just that. opened up yeah, and went crazy. But people that knew me and my story would say, you have a story that's crazier and true. You should write it. You know, and I did. And it was therapeutic and that's why it can't. That's why we did it. But it, man, it's really revealing. That's for sure. So, did that lead to becoming like a, a motivational speaker? Yeah, I think you start to kind of uh, uh, promote it in that way. You know, you're promoting it, and I've always felt the pull to that. 
Uh, I've always felt the pull to help to be a speaker on it and uh, to bigger groups. And we were doing a, a thing. It was before you started working here for American Idol. Just some silly thing. But I, I saw this man, this big gray haired man walking around and all these like look like ninth graders following him. And he was like the Sven Gali. It was odd. And I said, what is that about? I went up to them and he said, we are star supporting teens at risk. And we go to high schools and junior highs and try to change the culture on drinking and drugging. He said, I am a former priest who decided not to be a priest. And it was a crazy story. His name was Frank Nally. And I said, boom, I want that. So I started going into schools with them and talking. Really? And learning. Yeah. And uh, for about three years going to, I mean, North County, McClure uh, schools, how different they were from Brentwood to SLU. And, oh, I learned so much. And I said, I've got to get out and help parents with this stuff because they are clueless. And they have such, they have the most influence in their kids' lives, but they're clueless. So I think it all kind of rolled up into that. Okay. We are clueless as parents. (laughs) About that stuff, we are. Yeah. Tell me. Teach mm-hmm. me. What do well, and, I you know, do? Number one, we're clueless because we may have a glass of wine here and there. Or maybe there's some parents that smoke marijuana or or it's medicinal. I'm not judging, but they think, oh, well, I can't talk to my kid about substance abuse. You know, I can't do that. So that's a big thing. But also, we don't realize how young it starts, the culture that we create around uh, drinking and drugging. And, and uh, I even have a, a five-day plan on that, paulcooktalks.com. There you go. But uh, we don't realize that, and we don't understand the adolescent brain. Oh. It is primed up at this time period for risky behavior. It's got something it, It's got something called pruning going on in the gray matter, meaning it's getting rid of when you were a, a littler kid, a toddler. The brain is changing and creating unrest. And then the white matter is working on messaging and creating new messaging. So the two crazy events are happening during adolescence, which makes kids moody. It makes them want stimulus. Cell phones, smartphones feel better to them than they do to us. They actually get more out of it, more risky behaviors. Some kids are into that. Other kids are into negativity and body image problems, and they go crazy that way. And then that gets them into maybe trying a little drink or drug. So it's, it's, it's crazy. The brain is crazy. The brain is crazy. And there's not enough out there to help with the I brain. Know. It's so important. Um, is this why you did a little question poll on your Facebook? Yes. About different things that parents want help with? Absolutely. What were the three? Were the, weren't there three yes. categories? Yes. I said, what are the three things or which one of these three things are you as a parent most concerned about moving forward with your kids? So it wasn't about your kids this right now, but moving forward, what are you worried about? And number one was uh, an overwhelmed, stressed out kid who just can't even see what's in front of them because they're so stressed, number one. Two was, are you worried about risky behavior, including substance experimentation? Mm -hmm. Because that's where it starts, with all that substance experimenting. You can't get to addiction without experimenting. And that's what I did, to be honest. When I was in high school, I experimented and ended up where I did. Third one is body image and bullying. Which one are you more uh, worried about? And it was we got about 150 people got to us. And the first one was risky behavior 
including substance abuse, which I was planning on. I hope that that was what people worry about because it's major. But the other two got them as well. It was like it was like 69 risky behavior, 58 uh, overwhelmed kid and 59 um, body image. So all three of those things, people were lit up. I voted on the body image. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, and now I'm going to go through the twos, which were what I kind of specialize in and and show, give them a free thing. The the book I was the five. Uh, it's an ebook. I'm going to give them that and say, hey, here, check this out. Let me know what you think of it. Okay, tell me again about the book uh, uh, that people yeah, can go to. Yeah, it's a well, it's at paulcooktalks.com, and it's a free ebook about what I call awareness parenting. Awareness parenting, and Ooh. God, I hate to dominate this, but if you talk to someone who has a kid who's let's say 10, 12 years old, and you say hey, what do you think about substance abuse in the future and all that? And they'll say, you know what? As long as you're aware, you're going to be okay. I have these conversations with people, neighbors, friends, and I always say, you are right. You got to be aware of yourself. It's about you. It's about the culture you create. And it's about how you deal with a bad day. Do you go to a drink? Because do the kids know that's what mom does? She comes in and kicks open the door and says, Rose Amy, you know, or something like that. Yeah. It's about how do you celebrate? How do you celebrate? Is it get the get the wine and all that going and be front and center? Or how do your uh, friends and family who are around that celebrate? And I always say it's not about don't do that, but maybe turn the volume down a little bit on it or move it into another room for the kids. So these are part of the five day plan. And you kind of go over all of those. And I, I hope that it helps. Yeah. I've gotten great feedback on it. So. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. I want to go get do it that. today. I'm I gonna get do. It to you. Yes. I mean, and I always joke around. My babies are babies. But yes. you know what? They're going to grow up really fast. And I want to be prepared. And I am petrified of these kinds of conversations. But I think most parents are. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. We are just so worried. We don't want to be the one that screws up our kid. That is what I say all the time. <laughs> yes. I do not want to set my kid up for failure. I, know. I do not want to do that. And how do I make sure I don't do that? And, and it's it's a it's a mind thing. I just don't know. Yeah. I had a, a psychologist tell me like a couple of weeks ago, well, you were worried about that. Just put that to bed because you will. You will mess them up. Right. It's to the degree you'll mess them up. How? And if right. you think about your parents and your mom and how it went down, I know my mom has a big influence on my insecurity sometimes, you know, and she knows that. Uh, but how do you not? Gosh, I think you just have to be consistent, communicate and treat them like a person, not a kid, not a hey, run along now, but a person. That doesn't mean you don't punish, but it's a human being. Again, something that I've talked about in several episodes, because it sounds so crazy when you say, you need to talk to your child like a human. And you're like, well, they are a human. What the, <laughs> I know. You're what right. are you talking about? <laughs> but we learned that from Lou's teacher, our toddler. She said, especially the age that she's in, they don't know how to process emotions. They don't know what all of that means. And so you have to talk to them. You have to say, are you feeling sad? Why are you uh, feeling sad? Instead of so many times parents will just fly off the handle. Yep. Trust me. There are challenging times, and I have to take a deep breath, and I tell my girls to take a deep breath. But we have to talk to them. They are human beings. Yeah, 
And you can't just let it go like, okay, I'm going to distract them now. I'm going to give them the iPad, the person dealing with the sadness, and the iPad maybe won't make them sad. You've got to address it. Right. That's so smart of you to say that. Well, I'm trying. I I need to do that more. Okay, then let's talk about your girls. They're what ages? I have got Quinn, who's 16. Woo! Yes, and you might know I haven't drank since in 16 years. <laughs> she saved my life, I always say. Uh, and that's, of course, in the book. But, uh, yes, she saved my life, and she's unbelievable. And then Ryan, who is 13, and we're going to keep a good eye on Ryan. She is very creative, very uh, exuberant, loves to entertain and is a leader. I mean, it doesn't matter. We had a, she led this whole neighborhood group, uh, older, younger kids. A lot of them moved away. The new kids. She's the leader of those kids now, too. And most of them are boys. I mean, she is so unique. And I love them so much. What is it like being a dad to girls? I know that sounds so yeah. crazy. Because most people say they hear the dads want the sons. And I look at Brian and I'm like, I don't think that he could have a son. I think he's... I can't see it almost. Right. I think he is so good with the girls. Like, that's that's his thing. Do you feel that way about your relationship with the girls? I think about that every day. Really? Dad, male, now with girls. And much more now that they're teenagers with the changes and, and, you know, things that my wife has to discuss with them about hygiene or whatever, you know, I can't do. I do think about that a lot. I think being on a women's targeted radio station for 18 years, you know, and with you and others and learning <laughs> learning how you guys are with your ups and your downs and your wonderfulness, oh, yeah. it does help me to be with them. And it's a challenge. And I would be lying if I didn't say I wanted that I wanted that boy, my second child to be a boy. And I was I was down, you know, I was kind of down when we heard it. And I thought, oh, at least she's healthy. You know, it's so great. But gosh, darn it. God, couldn't I have gotten a, a boy and uh, sat in the car for a minute and turned the radio up and it was uh, Christina Aguilera, What a Girl Wants! No what way. a Girl Wants! And it was this great song. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. It's crazy if your eyes are open to it. I'm not saying I'm some great, you know, guy whose eyes are open to all spiritual, but so many things like that are mm-hmm. happening now that I'm trying to be a little more faithful and, and give it away. Well, and something you just said a little bit ago about being there for your girls. I mean, I'll say it's definitely, even with our fathers, a different generation. Our dads, I think my dad right. and I are closer now than when we were younger. So I, it's so important that like when I hear, oh, the dad never changed a diaper. I'm like, what in what? What? Yes. That's insane to me. Yep. That's insane. We are evolving, it, it seems. And I think we have to be better than our parents at being with, with these kids because, oh, number one, we're stressed and working. Uh, everybody's working and running every way. But we do have to be better than our parents because they were great and uh, they've shown us great values in that. But maybe that emotional intelligence and uh, those type of things were not as developed, especially in dad. And as, yes, especially dad with girls. Oh, yeah. So we got to change that. Yeah, we do. We do. And it's not that's not impossible. It's no. not at all. And it's so rewarding if a dad would pick up a book on this. Listen to a podcast on being there as a human being to your daughters as well. It wouldn't take so much, but it would go so far. Mm-hmm. It's just about working on yourself and yeah. and working on your kids, too. We don't have a lot of time left. I wanted to talk about 
your battle with cancer. I don't know if this is something that we should save for another episode or dive into it a little bit. I just, how? It's okay to talk about. Yeah. How are you doing and how are you managing? Because that's hard. It does. It seems like a a crap storm landed on us, you know, in 2018, colorectal cancer. They thought it was stage four in my liver. A cool miracle thing happened there. So it was stage three, basically. And then big surgery to have it removed. Year later, colonoscopy, more cancer. So an even bigger surgery. And that's what you're talking about, recovering from that, because I have new plumbing in my system, very new and, and very challenging uh, you're getting me on a good day, you know, and just talking to you always energizes me, but <laughs> I feel good. Like just kind of like the parenting thing or the addiction and alcoholism thing. I want to share, I want to share that you can come out of it. You know, you can, uh, not quit. But I want to call you out on something. Oh, I no. want you to also be okay with those bad days. Ugh. I know that that's something that you I have a hard time with about. that. I know. You say to yourself, I should just be happy that I have pain because the alternative is there's no pain and oh. I wouldn't be here. But I always say this to you. You're human. If you weren't to even think about those things, I, I just don't think that that's fair. I think so anybody... Great. That still hurts. I mean, that's life. I I know. I know. And I I think maybe it's also part of the career of getting there, make people feel good. You know, you got to feel good. That's definitely a weakness of mine that I am working on. And I'm so glad you brought it up. I got to be human. It's like the movie. Uh, shoot. I wish I could remember where there each person was a feeling, a sadness, happy. Oh, inside out. Inside out. I think that's it. Yeah. And where they realize that. Spoiler alert. They realize that. <laughs> It was okay to be sad, the little yeah. blue girl. Uh, it was okay. Yeah, because I waste a lot of energy on beating myself up over the bad days or being a victim, you know, work in progress. I really appreciate you bringing it up. We're all a work in progress. Absolutely. I'm thankful for you, buddy. You too. Thank you so much, Jill. Great job. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and if you're feeling really generous, write me a review. And don't forget to join me next week for a new episode of Two Kids and a Career.